are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. This book of Habakkuk is a great, great book. And um, it's only three chapters. I think it's 56 verses, if I remember. Very, very short. But it's an amazing thing how it's so relevant for us today. For you that are visiting, Wednesday night here is uh, like a, almost like a classroom. It's a Bible study night. It's not necessarily a preaching service. But we're trying to get a working knowledge of the Word of God. And uh, we began way back in Genesis a year ago. The letter R was ruined. Everything in that book of Genesis was ruined and wrecked because of sin. Murder, incest, sin, lying, stealing, everything. And they ruined everything that God gave. God began in chapter 1 with life, chapter 1, 2, and 3, and it all ends in death. And how God is... God offers eternal life. But sin and devil, the devil offer anything but life. They offer death every time. So we worked our way through. I don't have one of those sheets, but you might have it there. I think you have all the R's, I believe. And tonight, we normally, the various pastors, as we speak about the book, a lot of times we sort of leave you hanging, and we don't give you the letter R till midway through or generally toward the end of the book. But I want to give you the letter R tonight as we begin because it's so important for your life and my life. Have you ever felt, and you have if you're human, that just everything's constantly falling apart? Have you ever felt like, and I'm ashamed to tell you this, I've said a few times, I've had to confess it to God, God, I'm not trying to be rude, but are you, are, are you listening? That song that he just sang just moved me so much because I've been singing it. I want God to still speak to me. I want him to speak to me, not just once a day or periodic, but throughout the day. God, speak to me. Please speak to me through your word. I've, I've enjoyed hearing the pastors teach and preach because God uses always a man of God to speak to my heart. Whenever you see these different men that come out of our staff and they preach, uh, I, I don't do it to be seen. In fact, I try to do it where you don't see it. I always walk forward. God always speaks to me. Does God speak to you? Is God speaking to your heart today? I want God to speak to me. And if God would speak to me, I'll be careful to share with you from the Word of God what God says to me. That's my job. Tonight, the letter R is rest. You're going to find in this book that you can rest when you can't get a hold of God. You can rest when you don't know why God is not moving forward and coming through. You can just rest. 
You can count on it that this thing rest is just calm down. And if you're writing notes down somewhere, do that. Rest, just calm down. Have you ever tossed and turned through the night hours? You're not resting. Somehow you've not calmed down. And we've all done that. We flop and flip back and forth and we're not resting. We're not calmed down. Sometimes, maybe for some in this room, it's because your bones or your joints hurt, or sometimes because your mind is so full of so much and it's overwhelming, and sometimes it's full of worry or fear. Sometimes it's disappointment with a son or a daughter or marriage or whatever it might be, or you lost your job or you don't have enough money, and our mind gets filled and we can't sleep. But God wants us to rest, calm down. The word rest not only means calm down, but basically, God has the situation in control. You can count on it. God is sovereign. God God is is, is providence. Habakkuk is a great man, but he didn't understand some things. But he does understand them in a little bit here tonight in 56 verses. There were three basic countries that constantly were a menace to the people of God. We, we, if you want to jot them down, you can. We have the, uh, the Edomites, E-D-O-M-I-T-E-S. The Edomites, and isn't it interesting, Obadiah wrote about the Edomites. And, and we have the Assyrians and Nahum. He talked about the Assyrians. And then we have the Chaldeans, and that's this chapter here. And this book here, Habakkuk, he talks to them. I want you to see by introduction, the first of every chapter. Chapter one, we'll see the burden of Habakkuk. Notice what the Bible says. The burden which Habakkuk, the prophet, did see. The burden, I'll come back to that word in just a little bit. Chapter two is not, chapter one is a burden. Look what chapter two, verse two is. And the Lord answered and said, write the vision and make it plain upon the tablets or the tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and lie not. Chapter two deals with the vision, all right? Here we go, church. Chapter one is what? The what? The burden. Chapter two is what? Chapter three, verse one, it's the prayer. And uh, the burden and the vision led him to prayer. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigeneth. And we'll look at that word in just a moment. You know, when we see a burden and a vision and a prayer, we can just rest assured that we can rest in God. I can trust Jesus. I can trust Jesus. I can. I can rest. I can be still and know that he is God. What a great book. This is a great book. And I hope that as you make your way through your Bible reading schedule, when you come this year to Habakkuk, the book of rest, you can realize that God has everything in control. When it doesn't seem like it's in control, God knows. God, I, I say this not sacrilegious. God is not, not up in heaven sleeping. 
like a man with a long gray beard in a rocking chair, bald-headed, and sitting there falling asleep. God's awake, he's alert, his eyes are ever open, his ears are ever open. He sees everything, he knows everything, he hears everything. He's omniscient, oh thank God, he's omnipotent. Thank God for who he is, he knows everything, he sees everything. He is every, he is my everything, he is I am. I love the name Jehovah, for Jehovah just simply means whatever you need him to be, he is. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah, whatever you need, he's that. You need comfort, he's my comfort. You need strength, he's my strength. You need courage, he's my courage. You, you, you need and whatever, the fill in the blank. You can rest in that tonight. He's got it all in control. Let's go back, shall we? Chapter one. The burden, what is burden? I want you to write it in your Bible there or somewhere. If you write in your Bible, the word burden just simply deals with the agony, the perplexity. It really means to be pressed, pressed to the heart. It just pressed, it's pressed. You're in agony, you're perplexed, you don't understand it. And that's where the prophet is. And his thinking, I'm in agony. I, I know you've been there. I don't have to magnify it in my agony. I've been there. And you don't have, Brother Randall, don't tell me there wasn't agony when the doctor came and said, Randall, cancer. <sighs> my goodness. We faced it. All of us have faced it in life. These young teenagers down here, you say, well, they, they're too young. They haven't experienced that. Every teenager I know has had some kind of agony. It might be with themselves. They're, 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 they're not talented, or they're not this, or they're not that, or I don't have friends, or, and they all are great. These kids, are, they're amazing. I was in chapel in elementary this morning and high school today. I tell you what, I love being around those kids. I, I do that, yes, for you parents, I do it for your kids, but quite frankly, they give more to me than I give to them. We had such good chapel services today. But every teenager, if you haven't, you will. You'll have agony. You'll be perplexed, you can't understand it. Look what he says, oh Lord! You ever try praying when you're burdened? You're in agony, you're perplexed? Look what his prayer is, oh Lord! So next two words, church. Oh Lord, how long? I can't put up with this any longer. Oh God, how long? Are you, are you listening? You're, it seems like God, you're deaf to me. I've tried everything. I'm begging you, please God, how long? How long shall I cry? And thou, what is the next three words, church? Wilt not hear. Maybe just perhaps tonight or sometime if the Lord tarries this year, it's going to be like, God, are you listening to me? I cannot remember what grandchild it was. I, I do remember now. I was in Arkansas preaching years ago. It's on my phone somewhere saved probably 10 years ago. I think it was Titus. 
or it could have been TJ, but I think it was Titus. And it was a Monday night, and he's 15 now, so he must have been, oh, three or four or whatever, 15, 12, I don't know how many years, probably longer than 10. But he called me, and I missed his call. And he, I wish I could play it, played it one time for you. Papa! 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 And on the recording it said, to, he was telling his mom, Papa not listening to me. And she said, it's a recording, son. He was so troubled that I would not listen to him. And I'm ashamed to tell you, I, I, I'm so frail. I want to be a great man of God, a great man of faith. And sometimes I've come to the point through the middle of the night when I'm burdened, like you, no different. I don't have a heavier burden than you do. And I toss and I turn and I get up and I say, God, you're not speaking to me. I don't even think, God, I'm not trying to be rude. God, I don't think you're listening. I know your word says you are, but I can't get a hold of you. Just can't get a hold of you. That's where, set the scene, that's where Habakkuk is with his life. Even cry out of thee of violence that will not save. I present a need and you will not do something about it. Why? Why dost thou show me iniquity? And then he mentions five things here. You might want to understand. Cause me behold grievance. Grievance? This is the only time that word in that text is used, grievance. Grievance is not used elsewhere in the Bible. Other forms is, but not this word, grievance. He says, why do you want me to have grievance? Grievance is worry or to be cast down or I'm overwhelmed. I'm so concerned. God, why are you, why are you doing this to me? I go to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I give to the buckets. And here, I, I, I'm concerned. And you're giving me grievance? Spoiling? Capture? Violence are before me? Strife? Contention? I mean, everything is just, it's chaos. And this is a man of God that's writing. Please don't fault the man of God. He's, he's in a hard spot. Therefore the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth. He said, God, it, they're not, you're, not dealing with, you're not dealing with these Assyrians. You're not, de you're not dealing with the Chaldeans, excuse me, not Assyrians, Chaldeans. You're not dealing with them. You see, they're just a bunch of wicked people. Why aren't you doing something? And he said, therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. I don't agree with the judgment, God. Behold, God starts to speak. Let me change the tone. Behold, ye are among the heathen and wonder marvelously. Would you read this next part of this verse? Here's what God says about your burden. Are you ready? Where it says, for I, ready, begin. For I will work at work, 
For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter, hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land and possess the dwelling places that are not there. They are terrible, dreadful. And then you're going to see how personal it gets. It talks about they from now to the end of the They, their, them. And God says, I've got this. I'm going to deal with them. It looks like they're in control. It looks like you're, you're the bad guy out. But he said, I've got this. I'll deal with them. God will always deal with the situation better than you and I can ever deal with it. So often if we would just wait upon the Lord and be still before God, perhaps for the first time in your sweet marriage you don't understand one another. And perhaps there's conflict and frustration. But may I say this, don't be hasty like the Chaldeans. God says, I've got it. You just rest. You just rest. Once in a while, hasn't happened recently, but once in a while, student will be here for a week, a month, two months, and they'll say, I'm out of here. Well, every student, every semester goes through some pressure. It's where we do wrong on a quiz or a test, or we don't get an assignment in, in college. Or we lose our job, or there's an accident, or something back home has a sidetracked, or there's a sorrow back home. Every student will be faced, Brother Oxline, being pressed. Because that's how God grows us. I'm speaking right now over a hundred countries, and I, I, I imagine there's hundreds of pastors listening right now. You're a missionary. God bless you. Uh, you're pressed. I don't know if a missionary that's ever had enough money. Quite frankly, I don't know a pastor that's ever had enough. We're pressed. And, and don't look at that. I have enough. I'm not at, please, I should have said it that way. You're great to me. But we're, we're, you get pressed. These missionaries are pressed. They're trying to get a place to live. They're trying to buy a house or, or buy, get a building and get property. They're trying to get Sunday school teachers and organize these people, trying to, trying to get things together. Brother, Pastor Bertram, you spent 10 years in Japan. You, you, were, you had to be pressed at all times. And God says, I've got it. Rest. And because these men that I'm referring to are pastors and preachers, we're not good at resting. We're good at tearing things up. God, I can tell you. My last 10 years of pastoring here have been the hardest by far. They, they, they are harder than all the other years combined. 44 years have been here, March 1st. I can tell you something. The sweet, sweet Savior. Sometimes in the middle of the night, he shows up. And I'm alone in the house. My wife's upstairs, and I'm somewhere in that house. You know, Brother Cooper, some nights he doesn't show up. And he never leaves me. It's not his fault. It's me. Oh, and some nights I feel like he's just, 
I feel like I almost touch him, Pastor Hatwood, Pastor Evers. I feel like he's just right there. Some nights I go back to bed and say, I've, I've said it, Lord, I, I tried to talk to you, try to rest in you. And I know your word says you were there, but I sure didn't sense you tonight. Oh, and I tell you, there's no way you could give me any kind of money for the nights that he shows up. And it's always me. It's not his fault. You young college men that are here, you're going to have to be pressed in college because you're going to go to church and you're going to have to be a man of God that can take some pressure and some heat. And so Habakkuk, he has a burden in chapter 1. In chapter 2, so he says, after God says this, he says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Because God says he's got this, I can rest in him. Read verse 1 with me. Ready? Begin. I will stand upon my watch and set me upon a tower. amazing then he talks about the vision the vision this word vision is a dream or a revelation or something that God reveals to you and God says he says he says now write the vision make it plain the Lord answers said write the vision make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it for the vision is yet to for an appointed time he said, I'm going to give you some things. But I have this burden. I know. I've got it. Now I'm going to start telling you some things. I'm going to give you direction. You know, life is not always the burden and being pressed in an agony. Amen. And I don't say this rude because I have the most amazing marriage. But marriage sometimes is pressed. Squeezed. Sometimes we feel that way. Oh, but you don't want to stay that way. So I miss a straight and I've made it a practice all these many years. And we'll do it tonight. We'll pray together when we go to bed. I, I don't want anything burden me down with her and she with me. Uh, agony with her, with her and with me. Pressed. Pressed. I've told you this before a few times here once in a while. I'll be praying, and uh, I'll fall asleep praying, and all of a sudden I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hear her laughing, and sometimes we're in bed, jiggle the bed, you know, laughing. I say, did I fall asleep? Yes, you fell asleep. Well, the Lord knows that. But may I tell you this, God always is going to give you a vision. I'm a German. Prior to being a German, I'm a sinner. And sinners in German are reactionary if they're not careful. I hope I have learned or I'm learning. When I was younger especially, I would react so quickly. I'd never throw things and stop things, but I'd just get frustrated. But I'd say so quickly to my wife, within the minute, I am so, so sorry. I should not have responded like that. 
when you're burdened down over something, why do you let it hang on for days? Why do you let it hang on for weeks and sometimes years? Whenever I deal with people 47 plus, 48 years in the ministry, I always look at them and try to figure out their childhood. Because that is always, not sometimes, always the root. It is always the root. So a young person comes to college and they have a root problem in their childhood, but, but they think if I fall in love and get married, I'll, I'll deal, that, that, that problem will be gone. No, you, you, it, if you're not right with your dad, if you're not right with your mother, if you're not right with your family, we're not right with God, it doesn't change just adding a wife. And so then we add a wife or a husband, and we say, you know, if I just had a, a kid, so we add a kid to the mix, or two kids, or three or four, or whatever it might be, that doesn't solve. We always have to go back to the root. There's always a root cause for everything. In my life too, it's no different. Sometimes my wife and I laugh because she said, and it's true. She goes, your mother and your, <laughs> your mother and your sisters spoiled you. I said, well, let's make it four. You go ahead and spoil me all you want to spoil me too. But I think they did. And they probably ruined me. So I had to learn this all over again. Your root is always there. I guess that's why for me, I miss my dad so much because he was just a perfect person. He's just so perfect. And I love my dad so much. And you know, I, I hurt so many of these three out of the four. One was a sister and the rest were parents passed away today. Four in one day. My heart aches for them. Because if you lose your mother, dad, and death, it's a sorrow. And, and, and here, God's going to give him a vision. Well, we're running out of time. In this vision, there's five woes. I want you to circle them. Well, I'd like to come back and speak on them all, but verse number six, woe to him that increases that which is not his. How long? Woe, that's part of the vision. Part of the vision is number nine, verse nine. Woe to him that coveteth an evil co covetousness to his house. Verse number 12, woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and establish a city of iniquity. Abusive. Verse 15, woe to him that giveth his neighbor drink and putteth a bottle to him and maketh him drunken so that thou mayest look upon their nakedness. Verse 19, woe unto him that saith to the wood, this is to the idol, awake! to the dumb stone. Arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there's no breath in all in the midst of it. We'd serve gods, but I want you to know, he says, the Lord is in his holy temple. And now we close tonight, chapter three. Chapter one is what? The what? 
the burden. Chapter two is what? You're amazing. You listen. I know it's been a busy day. And then the prayer. Prayer is begging God. Prayer, I believe the burden we can say that's the affliction. And the vision is the answer. And the prayer is the appeal to God. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Oh, trust Him. Believe God. Whatever burden you have. You don't don't have to talk to a lot of people. And I'd love to, if you have a prayer request, give me your name on it. And I'll keep it between me and God. I'll pray with you about it. I have at the door a lot on Sunday people handing me prayer requests. I like that. I'll try to make an appeal to God on your behalf. But I won't tell a lot of people. He cares for you. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you, 1 Peter 5, 7. And the prayer, he says, a prayer of Habakkuk. This is my prayer now. I've got the burden. I've, I see the vision. Uh, and I, I can rest in all this. God's got it under control. And here's my prayer. Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shiganath. Shiganath is an um, interesting word. It's, it, it's from Psalm 7, 3. You have those headings. Psalm 7, really, verse 1, but you have the headings in Psalms. Niganoth. Niganoth, when you see that word at the beginning of a psalm, Niganoth is always a stringed instrument. And many of those words in Psalms deal with some type of musical instrument or musical way we sing. For example, when you see the word Selah, chapter 3 of the book of Psalm, um, when, when the psalmist is so despondent, he gets, go, go to chapter 3 real quickly, please. I, I wasn't, I just thought of this. I think I'll take you there and I'll try to wrap this up. Lord, this is where David's running from his son Absalom. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many that say of my soul rise up against me. Many there which be say of my soul, there's no help for him and God. Really, it's a lot about David. Me, me. My, my help, my, my help for him. And then he says the word selah. Selah is a musical term that means raise at a half pitch. You know, Brother Waterhouse, when you go down a half pitch, normally it's discouragement. But when you raise at a half pitch, it's the word, what we see in Habakkuk, it means excitement, enthusiasm. Brother Martinez, a lot of times, be leading music, and he'll go like this, and he'll raise it. He did it Sunday morning with How Great Thou Art, and he just went like this, and these instrumentalists, and the organist, and the pianist, and the uh, uh, orchestra, everybody just raised it a half. It's a brilliancy. And here, he said, you know what? There's no help for him in God. When he said God's name, God, that's right, God. Selah, notice when he raises the pitch and he says God's name, how his tone changes. But thou, oh Lord, he turns to God right away, are a shield for me, my glory, the lifter up my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. What's he say? Selah, when he put his attention on God, his tone changes. And he takes it up a step. 
But in verse 1 and 2, it's all about him. Till the last word, God. And, and then he gets thinking about what God got lifted up means. Let's say, he puts his hand under my face and lifts my head up. I don't have to walk around like this. With my burden, I can get my head lifted up because God, Selah! Hey, let's raise it another half step. Notice what he says. Is this different, verse 6, than verse 1? How they all trouble me, everybody hates me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Raise it again another half step. And that's what Shiganoth is. You see back there in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1, the prayer, and he says, the prophet unto Shiganah. There is brilliance. There's excitement. When I realized my burden, which got me so down, God gave me an answer with a vision. And now I can come to God and I can pray. pray. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Matthew and I won't have you turn there for the sake of time. Matthew chapter number 11. Come unto me, all you that are labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is what they use with the animals. They yoked up oxen together. Take my yoke, yoke up with me. Start plowing with me, God says. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For my yoke, I love this. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I was driving home through the night on a Tuesday night. This had to happen almost 40 years ago. I would drive to the meetings in L.A. so I could always be home through the middle of the night, normally get home at 3 or 4. So on Wednesday morning, I could be there to wake my kids up. And so I'd drive down on Monday, I'd preach Monday and Tuesday, and then I'd drive home. And I was coming to San Jose, it was 3, 35, 45, 50 in the morning. I was, I was so tired, I couldn't stay awake. And I got to the exchange that wasn't all connected yet, 280, 680, right at 101. And there used to be billboards right there. I don't know if they're still there. But early in the morning, I was driving in town, the first one I don't know the order, but I saw Marlboro cigarettes. And then I saw liquor. And then I saw rock music on the other one. And then I saw some other, I can't remember right now off the top of my head, some other sin. And I said out loud to myself, why would anybody want a life like that? Liquor, drink, and smoking, and uh, it's, uh, I want to say gambling, I'm not sure that's true. But they're all four sins. And I answered the question, you know, it's late in the morning, early in the morning now, 345, 50, whatever. And I said, I tell you why that like a life like that. Because that's and it's a wrong answer. The easy way. And girls, I remember your dad taught me. Brother Davis, we were at a trial 
and the judge sentenced, and he said, Treb, the way of the transgressor is hard. You kids, you look here, please. Liquor, fast lane, rock music, drunkenness, all that looks so easy. It's hard. God says, my yoke is easy. And so tonight, I just suggest we link up with him because linking up with him, Habakkuk says, will give you rest. Rest for our weary souls. I love you people so much. I'm so grateful we could get together on Wednesday night. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.